This week we're talking about. <laughs> Is that your version of the intro? <laughs> I just wait for you to talk. <laughs> I'll start to explain it. Oh, I we're see talking what you mean. about. Onto you, right? <laughs> dun dun dun. Now for a commercial break. Hi, I'm Big. And I am White. And together, we are Big and White. And you are listening to the Big and White Podcast, a podcast where we explore what it means to be a foreigner in Asia. So, what are we talking about this week, White? Well, we have talked a lot on the podcast about all the things that are different about Nepal, all the things that have changed about us since coming to Nepal. But this week, we're talking about all the things that didn't change Things that we didn't expect to be the same here in Nepal. True. So for all you out there who are planning to move because you think it's just going to change your whole life, well, some things are not going to change and we want to warn you. Or encourage you, I guess. Yeah, like help you, I guess, not be Debbie Downers. (laughs) But first, White, this is our first week apart. How was your week? Well... I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of excited about being able to do a weekly update where you don't actually know every single week what happened. Like, I know. Although I was thinking about all the things I could talk about, and I feel like I texted them to you, so (laughs) you already know. (laughs) I mean, maybe you already know about this thing. I think I texted it to you, but... But we don't have to, like, fight over what thing we're going to talk about. Like, oh, yeah, <laughs> That's we, true. we went to the farmer's market. It's like, well, I went to the farmer's market with you. I want to talk about that. Like, <laughs> fine. <laughs> so. Well, tell me. Regale me with stories of your week. Well, I am going to pull a note out of your book because you kind of talked about your washing machine escapades recently and i have also recently gotten a upgrade on my washing machine (gasps) congratulations yeah so it's the same washing machine but before our washing machine just sits in our bathroom and it took up a massive amount of space that could have been space for me taking a shower but (laughs) instead it was just like my butt against the shower (laughs) curtain, which is against the washing machine. And it was constantly touching me. Thank you for this visual. Yeah, you're welcome. (laughs) At least you have a shower curtain. Yeah. That's exciting. Yeah, because otherwise you would short out the washing machine. Sounds like you have a good setup. Oh, yeah. Totally safe. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, I just was talking to a Scottish girl and she was saying how shocking it is for there to be electrical stuff in the bathroom in Nepal. Like how weird there is to be a washing machine because in Scotland you would never have you'd like you wouldn't even have a plug for like a straightener or anything in the bathroom in the bathroom wow that's crazy I mean it makes sense I guess extra safe right their bathrooms would probably be a little bit smaller like in some of the older homes and stuff so you'd just kill yourself on accident anyway I have not killed myself in my small bathroom with all of its electrical equipment. Thank goodness. But we just had like a handyman make a platform for our washing machine. So like there's also a ledge that goes around our whole bathroom 
and it's a bunch of wasted space because you can't do anything with it. So he built a platform that rests partly on that ledge and partly on the floor. And then we put the washing machine up. So I gained the length of that ledge. So it was like another eight inches of space or something like that. Incredible. And like the washing machine was just draining onto the floor. So now it's going into the drain better. And it's not just like swirling around underneath the washing machine. Wow. So it's the little things in life, man. It's really a game changer. I am living it up. <laughs> living it up with your raised washing machine. My butt could be eight inches bigger and I <laughs> would still have room. <laughs> that is fabulous. Anyway, so that's me. What about you? You are somewhere that is very much not Nepal. True facts. So you guys, I am in America specifically Oregon, and it feels so good. And yeah, I had a bunch of travels because I didn't come straight here. I stopped in the Netherlands and then had a night in London because that was a cheaper flight the next day. (laughs) Anyway, it was very complicated. But something I realized when I was spending the whole day in the Seattle airport, which happened to be my birthday. Thank you. Um, (laughs) I love coming into the airport in America. Oh. Yeah. Why? I I know. So I was like, I felt so like relaxed and happy and not like I was stressed when I was in, you know, London or Amsterdam or Dubai, but I realized I think it's because it's a combination of something I'm very familiar with, which is airports Mm -hmm. and something else that I'm very familiar with, which is America, (laughs) especially on the West Coast. I mean, like West Coast culture. But yeah, it's I love airports. I just love being in this space where you are kind of cut off from the world. So you don't have a lot of responsibility. Like the main thing you have to worry about is getting your flight on time or whatever. But also the customer service style and the way that you interact with strangers, you know, just those little like minute interactions is so predictable to me and so understandable and feels so natural that I can just like totally relax. I understand what's expected of me culturally and I'm in an airport. So (laughs) double win. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I always love flying into LA because it's just like immediate insane diversity of because it's such a hub that people fly into, you know, Mm -hmm. but Seattle was pretty good too. And there was a vegetarian restaurant and I got a free meal. Heck so, yes. Oh my gosh. I was happy. Yeah, I guess I will say that like going through customs in the US is kind of nice for me. Because it's like finally oh, man. you get to like you deserve to be there. Like it is your right. I love it when you walk up to the passport control and they say, welcome home. I'm always like. <laughs> 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 oh. yeah. yeah, it feels really good. I'm sad that you're not in Nepal, but. I'm kind of jealous that you're in America. Yeah. I guess. (laughs) Yeah. I feel neutral about both. Or not neutral, but they kind of balance out. Like, I kind of wish I was in Nepal, but I'm also happy to be here. They're just so completely different, right? Like, Nepal is somewhere else in your brain. It is. Yeah. It's like a parallel world. It doesn't feel like I should be there or something. I don't know. Yeah. And plus, I think I've gone back and forth enough times now that the transition isn't as hard. Like, I drove my friend's car the other day. And it's a manual, and I just didn't even think about it. 
Like, I feel like the first couple of times I came back to the US, I was like, driving a car, that sounds hard, <laughs> right side of the road, you go so fast. I just hopped in and turned the key and drove off. And I'm like, oh, I guess I'm used to this transition thing now. <laughs> yeah. So that was my crazy week. Cool, cool. I spent a lot of time on trains and on planes. Yeah. But I made it. Yeah, that was a long transit time for you. Yeah, it was kind of good, though, to get a little transition time, you know. Right. Get some, like, Western culture that's not my home culture in Europe, and then get here. And to, like, spend time with people along the way that have lived in Nepal, too. Yes, that was so, so nice. Like, being in another place, but with people that understand Nepal, because everyone that I visited in the Netherlands and the UK has lived in Nepal before. So... We could talk about Nepal, and they understood what it's like to go through transition and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it was good to have that connection for sure. All right. Well, you guys, um, we are now going to play an episode for you that we recorded when we were together in Nepal. So don't be confused. Me, big, I'm in America, but this episode's a bit old, and we hope that you enjoy it. This week, our episode is for all you expats out there. All you people who have come out of your home countries and are daily feeling just a tiny bit dumb (laughs) because you don't completely understand what's happening around you. True, yeah. So whether you're a Nepali who moved to North America or you're a North American who moved to Nepal or Europe or really from any place to any place... This one's for you. Yep. <laughs> We're all equally dumb. We can all unite in that. <laughs> can I quote you on that? <laughs> Absolutely. So, um, yeah, this week we are talking about what doesn't change when you move overseas. It's easy to think, wow, I'm just going to have a brand new life, you know? And somehow I won't have any of my personality flaws anymore <laughs> when I go to that new place. Yeah, it's exciting to start over. But it's also still just your life continuing on in a different place. Yeah, for sure. I do feel like it's this weird thing of, I mean, for you, when you go, it feels weird, right? Like, it's hard to imagine that life is continuing in other places when you're in this new place. But also, I've really found that other people have a hard time conceptualizing it. Mm-hmm. Especially people that haven't traveled a lot, maybe. I don't know. I feel like I get questions or people ask my mom about me. Things that don't make any sense. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. They're like, so yeah, like, what's happening with Nepal? Like, how's how's it going? Like, is she okay there? You know? (laughs) My mom's like, I mean, she's lived there longer than she lived in Portland. (laughs) Or where she went to university, so... Yeah, like, she's used to it. Well, she hasn't eaten in four and a half years, but (laughs) we're making it through somehow. There's just not any Applebee's in Nepal. Did you realize that? (laughs) I think it's just hard to, like, conceptualize something so foreign, like, being normal, I guess, you know. And which is hard for us, too, because people ask questions that are good questions, and we're like, what? Because <laughs> it just becomes normal. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It becomes like subconscious. So what are some things that you thought would change when you moved overseas or just that once you got here, it didn't meet your expectations of what you thought it would be like moving to a new country? 
Yeah, I will say that right off the bat, I thought that learning Nepali would be a lot more straightforward and maybe like easier than it actually has been in practice. Mm -hmm. Like being monolingual basically before this, I just assumed that I would do lessons in Nepali and talk to people out on the street. And then I would like just be fluent within like a year. Because mm-hmm. I mean, that's a lot of hours spent in language lessons. Like if you do three to four hour language lessons, five days a week for 11 months, that's a lot of hours. But <laughs> it is a lot of hours, but it's still, still not, not enough. enough. <laughs> and I also kind of thought that I would be able to read proficiently, too. Mm -hmm. Like, I thought that my reading proficiency would be equal to my speaking proficiency. Mm. And, I mean, I can speak conversationally perfectly fine, but reading, I still sound everything out like I'm a kindergartner. Because, I mean, you guys probably know this, but Nepali is written in Devanagari script, which is, like, the same as Hindi. It's Sanskrit-based. So it's a different alphabet. It's not super complicated, but you still takes a long time. And then like the vocabulary of written Nepali is so vastly different. It's like learning two different languages. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm really behind on that. And a lot of people, even like my friends who live here and didn't learn Nepali, they would always ask me like a year in. They're like, so are you fluent in Nepali? Like (laughs) not not joking. Yeah. Like oh my gosh, no. (laughs) I accidentally told someone that I wrapped my goat instead of my books and rope today. I'm not doing well. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that's one of the things too that can be easy to think, oh, well, you know, I'm not very good at learning language here in America or wherever your home country is. And part of that probably is the system. Like if you learn in school, that's harder. But you think like, oh, well, I'll move overseas and I'll just be good at learning language. Right. Like I'm immersed all the time. Right. Which is a whole other point. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. We're still trying. Yeah. We're doing it. It's a humbling thing, Mm -hmm. I think, to like constantly be a learner. I still, so I've been here a little over two years now and I did language for 11 months full time, meaning 30 hours a week. And then I took a year break, and now I'm doing language lessons again, just two hours a week. Yeah. I thought when I moved overseas that suddenly I would just be really good at having cross-cultural friendships. Yeah, absolutely. I was not good at that in the U.S. (laughs) Why would I be good at that here? Just instantly, you know? Yeah, I think it's good to have a plan to have a lot of local friends Mm -hmm. or non-expat friends, I guess. Yeah. But it's pretty common to end up actually just hanging out more with other expats, even if they're not from your same country, because you tend to have a little bit more in common and have more common experience that you can share with each other. So, yeah, I definitely thought I would have more local friends. Yeah. And some jobs overseas lend themselves better to having local friends. For sure. We don't have Nepali people working with us, like... Right, in like the same building or something. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's not like a natural environment. It takes a lot of energy outside of your 40-hour mm-hmm. regular work week. Right, yeah. And this is something that's true, I mean, anywhere you go. It's not like, oh, special because we're in Asia or right. something. Like my friend is Norwegian, 
And she said when she moved to Sweden, she had so much trouble making friends. And mm. all of her friends ended up being Norwegians who had also <laughs> moved to Sweden. <laughs> or even like within the U.S. like Oh, for sure. Yeah. When I moved like to Portland, picnic, right? most of my friends were Californian. Like, yeah. <laughs> I would also move to Portland. Yeah. Our picnic. Yeah. Our friend picnic, if you guys remember her, she was our first guest. She is living somewhere like in another state in the U.S. and ends up, you know, most of her friends aren't from that area. They're all like Californians or other people who have moved into that state and are non-local. Yeah. <laughs> So I think that's okay. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. Right. You know, don't beat yourself up about it. But it is good to try to make friends with people who are from the area where you live because A, they're probably cool, and B, you'll get to learn the culture better. Yep. And while we really like and want to have local friends, it's actually super enriching to be able to have other expat friends from other countries Right. That's something I definitely didn't expect. Yeah, same. I mean, I kind of vaguely knew that, but it wasn't like, oh, I'm so excited to move to Nepal because I know I'm going to get to meet all these Norwegians and, you know, right. Southern Americans and <laughs> Canadians. <laughs> that was not really on my radar. Yeah, it's yeah. a really, really cool part of moving to a new place. Yeah, and it kind of just gives you the ability to ask silly questions of each other mm. like i live with a norwegian if i had moved to norway i would feel a little bit more like stigmatized about asking questions about norway like mm. i don't know how to explain it but it feels like it's more weighty like you're more vulnerable just because you're asking about their home culture but you're like in it together trying to figure out how to live in nepal well so you can be like oh well isn't that this thing that I learned about in Nepal today, isn't that so different than what's happening in America? What about Norway? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, right. you're on equal ground. Totally. Mm -hmm. I really, yeah. really like that. I also really love having other expat friends from different cultures around during holidays, mm. especially because, you know, when you're in your home country, you are pretty much, I would say, expected to go home, see your family or, you know, go back to like your your hometown for all the holidays. And here you don't really have that option very often. Right. So you're kind of like forced to just spend lots of time with your friends mm -hmm. who are all coming from different cultures, even within America. And you get to create all of these new holiday traditions. And last year I had Norwegian Christmas. We had Swedish Christmas. I had Buckeye Balls for the first time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Such a fan now. Yeah. I don't If you guys don't know what these are, they're balls of peanut butter and sugar dipped in chocolate. And they're so delicious. They're supposed to look like a Buckeye nut. Yep. Or a seed. Uh, from a buckeye tree from like ohio or something yeah yep. the midwest man mm -hmm. american midwest is a strange <laughs> place <laughs> but they know how to make a good dessert yeah. i'll tell you we're like british christmas like m one of my neighbors had her friends from the uk send her a bunch of christmas cakes mm. and we were eating on those things for months <laughs> and Gross. i was not mad <laughs> I mean, not like you open it and then you eat it for months, but like she had just Christmas cakes, like like fruit cake kind of things, but 
not like American fruitcakes. Okay. I'm not convinced. Good fruitcake. But... Marzipan. I really have come to appreciate marzipan. We don't really do a lot with that in the holidays in the U.S. So Another thing that I thought would change that didn't when I moved here is I thought my social media would be better. Oh, man. Like <laughs> you were going to be holding a child like in both arms mm-hmm. in, in front, front of, of the a mountain. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. My Instagram is like a lot of me at restaurants and me on roads that are have construction happening. Yeah. <laughs> like every picture. <laughs> That's the thing about being single living overseas too, right? Like it's just pictures of you. That's true. Yeah. Other people have kids to take pictures yeah, of. Yeah, right. It's like, here's my baby and also me. And us. it's just like, here's me. And here's me. Here's me with a selfie. And someone else took this other picture of me. (laughs) Here's me with two people. Look, I have friends. Yeah. (laughs) It's usually like if I post pictures on Instagram, it's usually of me and you. Yeah, true. (laughs) I'm like, geez louise. Get it together, White. Get one more friend. (laughs) That's all you need. (laughs) But it's funny. I mean, I feel like things that are exciting or were exciting for me when I lived in the U.S. Like, you know, maybe you'll post a picture of, like, an interesting meal or, like, a cool, like, bike ride that you go on or going to a party. Those are exactly the same things that I post pictures of now. Yeah, right. It's just worse lighting. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I'm looking through my Instagram right now. see. Yeah, it's not that exciting. It's me eating food, me working out, some food I made, us posing with a really creepy Santa mannequin. Oh, yeah. Um, there's one picture of me with a baby. Mm, good job. Exciting. Very exciting. I live a charmed life. You sure do. <laughs> All my hopes and dreams I have attained. Yeah. I'm so <laughs> proud of you. <laughs> Uh, What else did you think, uh, like, wouldn't change about your life that did? Um, Actually, I this might seem counterintuitive, but I didn't expect that I would be traveling internationally as much as I do. Mm -hmm. Like, in my mind, I'm kind of all or nothing, let's (laughs) say. So, like, when I moved here, I was like, I'm going to move to Nepal and, like, I'm never, ever coming back. (laughs) And never leaving the country. Yeah, right. Like, everything will be sufficient in Nepal. I will adjust. I will be Nepali. I will not be Caucasian anymore. (laughs) Sorry, mom and dad. Uh, Your family name will not be continued. The genes you gave me, I'm throwing them out the window. Yeah, they're out. (laughs) Um, That's not the case at all. As it turns out, I'm still white Mm -hmm. in, like, more ways. Like, my name is actually white. Now that is my identity so it's true cool well and i can see like um americans don't travel internationally as much as people who live in smaller countries right so i can see how you would think like well i live in america and i go overseas every couple years so when i live in nepal i will also go overseas every couple years yeah false no no and it's not actually like that much cheaper to travel from Nepal than it is from America, especially if you live somewhere like L.A. <laughs> True. Um, it feels more accessible for sure. Yeah. But I think also our like we work a regular 48, 40 hour work week in an office. So like in that way, it's pretty normal. But we do have more 
time off. And since we work a lot of weekends on field work, then we have more holiday time. Mm -hmm. So you have, you know, like not most jobs in America could you take off like 20 days. (laughs) Well, so this one is for all the expats who are moving away from America, not to America. Sorry, guys. (laughs) Sorry. It's going to be a letdown when you work in America. Girl, you go into every country every weekend. Asia, same. Yeah. America, you get one week of vacation. Have fun. Good luck. (laughs) For two years of your job in America. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But that's been very exciting to be able to travel. Like we got to go to Cambodia for a holiday. For Mm -hmm. conferences, we go different places. Like we went to Malaysia. For conferences this year, I'm going to the UK and France. Girl, why do you go to the good conferences the year that I'm not around? (laughs) I'm sorry. Thank you. I wish you could come. I do too. (laughs) (laughs) awkward (laughs) just take a little crying break here um (laughs) okay here is a big one that if you are moving overseas you should prepare yourself for i'm ready it's not something that doesn't change when you move anyway so (laughs) what it is is all your friends will leave you bummer dude (laughs) It's true, though, especially like we were talking about, if you have a lot of expat friends, you're just going to have a more transient community. And, you know, that doesn't mean that wherever you came from doesn't have a transient community. Like People move. It's a thing. You might be doing it. We did. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it's a lot more common in the expat community because people will often come just for, you know, maybe they come for a year to volunteer. Maybe they're there for two years to do a master's program maybe whatever reason you're there usually people aren't moving long term yeah this is especially poignant since when you guys are listening to this episode we big and white will be like 10,000 miles apart (laughs) your friends leave (laughs) that's what I sound like when I cry it's really weird (laughs) like a motorcycle revving out the driveway yeah can you guys hear that happening in the background (laughs) Yeah, it's just part of life, man. And you kind of just got to get used to it. So if you're moving somewhere, prepare yourself, prepare your heart. But on the flip side of that, also prepare yourself to be open to making new friends because Mm -hmm. I think it can be really easy to get jaded and just be like, oh, well, they're just going to leave in six months. No point in getting to know them, but they might be the coolest person ever. And you might maintain a friendship and go see them in London on your way to the U.S., for example. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think just, well, when we're recording this, we just went to a party for some friends who are about to move to a country in Africa. Mm -hmm. And so as we were hugging them, you know, we were kind of like, oh, yeah, you know, hopefully we'll meet again. And I feel like sometimes in the US, you know, you hug someone and you know that they're going, you're like, I'm never going to see you again. Yeah. But with people here, you're like, I don't know. I mean, we might meet up. I don't know. Well, they are going to have to go to France like once every three months. So yeah. are you guys going to hang out in Paris? Maybe. That would be amazing. I mean, <laughs> my, some of my really good friends from the UK, I'm going to go spend a month with them this summer. Right. You're going to go hang out with them. Mm-hmm. So it's like you have to get used to people leaving, but it's not a closed door. True. That is so true. You're right. Like everyone keeps traveling and you just always end up seeing people again. Yeah. Just randomly yeah. somehow. 
And it's like, it's not weird if you don't keep in touch with most people here. Oh, yeah. You can call someone after eight years and be like, hey, um, are you still in Thailand? Because I'm coming to Thailand. Yeah. <laughs> yep. They'd be like, yes, come stay with me. Yeah. It's a great community. It's pretty cool. So there's there's good and bads to it. I'm not going to lie. It's my least favorite part of being an expat. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of, it's a, a valuable lesson to be able to learn, too, I think. like Right. And... Another good reason to also have local friends because they True. might not leave or they might. Yeah. Which is another reason that it's hard to have local friends, though, because <laughs> they're like, man, I don't want to be friends with this foreigner. Like, they're going to leave. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think of that. <laughs> yeah, we understand if you don't want to be friends with us. We're exhausting. <laughs> Speaking of exhausting. Yes. <laughs> Um, this is something that for some reason I thought would change when I moved here that didn't. Is I'm still tired all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Except I'm even more tired probably or in different ways, I guess. I mean, A, I thought like, mm, I'm moving, jet lag, this will be my chance to start waking up early. Funny, funny big. <laughs> Actually, I did that for like a year and a half. Some people do because that's more the culture here is going to bed early and waking up early but i'm so countercultural. <laughs> <laughs> but besides poor sleep habits which if you guys have those don't do it it's not good for you it's so bad for your health yeah it's like as important as eating vegetables and drinking water yeah just or like not smoking yeah i'm preaching to myself here <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. but you also are tired because everything is new and culture is new and you think like culture adjustment will end sometime you know like oh well now i've been here for two years now i'm used to it and it does get easier for sure like now me thinking about going back to the u.s after having been here for almost five years i know that there's things that will exhaust me about being in the u.s because i'll have to make different types of decisions and you know your brain's just like working a lot harder to figure stuff out but Even after having been here this long, it's still tiring. It's just different than being in a place where you live for however many, 20, 30 years, and then became an adult, you know? Yeah. In summary, I'm going to go take a nap. Bye. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) For like two days. Thank you. And good night. But I will say things are difficult and it's tiring. But something that I maybe didn't expect is how satisfying small things could be Mm, like in your own country you just take things like buying groceries for granted and here it took effort for you to be able to do that it took energy to get out of your house and to cycle to three or four or five shops to buy (laughs) all your things and to get home and to cook them or you know whatever anyway all that to say it takes a lot of energy but it's so satisfying because you know you've put effort into it Mm. or like for me finding things while you're grocery shopping that you didn't expect to find (laughs) if i was in america in kroger or walmart or whatever just really um marked myself for being yeah. from a certain part like, of the where's country. Where's Trader Joe's? <laughs> Arkansas doesn't have Trader Joe's. There's your fun podcast fact. Feel sorry for us. I do. I really do. I feel sorry for us too. Anyway, if you were in Walmart and if you saw rice cakes, you would not be particularly surprised or excited. You would not go back to Walmart the next day (laughs) and then the next day to buy more packages of rice cakes. But 
one of us in front of this microphone might have done that in the last couple of weeks. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it is interesting, though. I think to me, what didn't change is I'm still delighted by little things. But what did change is they're different things, you know? For sure. I think I used to be more delighted by things that were abnormal. And mm. now I'm more delighted by things that are normal. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah. Yeah, like... If you haven't gone somewhere in a month and you come back and the road has suddenly been paved, mm, that's a magical That's like thing. the best Kathmandu moment. <laughs> yes, it sure is. It feels so good. <laughs> the other day I was walking somewhere. I hurt my foot recently, so I'm like especially wary of bumpy roads. And I thought to myself, Mm, I think I should take this road because it's paved. <laughs> I was like, wow, that's not a thing I ever thought yeah. to myself. Actually, false. I did think that to myself when I lived in Portland. Mm, <laughs> they have mm. those blocks. It's like roadway not improved. I love it. So good. Yep, that that makes sense. <laughs> They're just learning you. Yeah. <laughs> Get ready. <laughs> um, okay, so if you are thinking about moving overseas. Right. Like, how do you actually prepare for that? Right. We just threw down a lot of information that we've <laughs> gathered in ourselves over the last few years. But yeah, it's overwhelming when you're looking, you know, looking towards such a big change. Mm-hmm. And it's hard because there are some good things about making a big change like that, you know, like you kind of have a chance to try new things and like maybe reinvent yourself a little bit. But you also have to prepare yourself and remember that wherever you go, there you are. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, like sometimes moving overseas, instead of fixing your problems, actually might make them worse Mm -hmm. because you're in a more stressful situation. You know, maybe at first you're like excited and things feel new and it kind of like covers up your problems, but it's still you, you know, like if you are easily addicted to things, like you might change what you're addicted to once you move. Or if you have anger problems, like you might change what you're angry about, or you might not be able to hide them as well because you might be moving to a more communal culture or something, Mm -hmm. you know? So, um, yeah, it's just important to recognize that before you go and not think of an international move as a fix not to say that you can't move overseas oh no no we all got our crap (laughs) and sometimes you don't think you have issues until you move overseas (laughs) (laughs) and they come (laughs) but yeah like you said it's really good to be aware of some of the things that aren't going to change sorry you're stuck with yourself yeah i really like this quote from this article we'll link to it in the show notes It's called Stop Blaming Your Host Country. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And he says, Life abroad is not a break from reality. It is a new reality altogether. It's a reality that mixes all your past frustrations with all new frustrations. Amen, brother. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I've especially been feeling this recently because I've been pretty stressed with work and not sleeping enough. And I just find myself getting angry at things that aren't a very big deal, you know? And it's like, I don't know, even though I know it's cultural differences usually or whatever, I don't have enough strength to just let it go. Yeah. Like all that, like anchor that's within me. It's like, you're too tired and you can't hold this in anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. So this article um, actually lists some things that are ways that people often kind of cope when they move overseas. Um, So things like blaming your host country for other problems that you have Mm -hmm. which is exactly what i was just talking about for me right i'm like you know i'm tired and i'm stressed so i'm like 
stupid Nepal. And, you know, I can't even think of a good example. <laughs> like, it's not Nepal's fault right. at all. I'm just cranky. But yeah. It's, it's so much easier to put that on the country. Like, you would never do that in your home country, right? Like, say you're German. You wouldn't be like, stupid Germany, always doing this. <laughs> no, you'd just be like, I'm crabby today. Yeah, it's me. <laughs> so same when you're in a new country. Remember, it's you and not them. Yeah. And even though that's kind of a negative thing, I will say that's natural for us to do. We need to be able to process our surroundings and mm-hmm. do that in an honest way. Sometimes that means being angry. Like there's maybe nothing you can do about that. But I will say that it's easy for it to be able to drive a wedge between you and your host culture. Like if you continually blame all of your problems that you're not getting enough sleep, that your marriage is failing, that your (laughs) job is hard, that buying groceries is hard. If you blame that on your host country, then ultimately you're going to hate your host country. No surprises there. (laughs) Shocking. (laughs) So something that's really important to do within that is to be intentional about also connecting with Mm. your host culture. Yes. So the article actually says, if blaming is natural, then connecting must be intentional. And that is so true. I feel like so many of the experiences that I've had here that really make me love living in Nepal are things that I maybe didn't necessarily want to do or weren't easy, you know? But then like once you make the intentional effort to... Whether it's something small, like just going to a picnic that you were invited to with some local friends or whatever, or, you know, maybe something a little bit bigger, like deciding to learn the language or whatever, it's always worth it. Yeah, it's amazing when you realize that you're interacting with real, actual, deep people. Oh my gosh, what? People not from my home country, like, have thoughts and feelings? Right? Who knew? And they're probably also kind of annoyed at you. (laughs) Oh yeah, they certainly are. (laughs) You find out all the things that they're like, you know, they've been talking. All these foreigners, oh my gosh, they do this and this. You're like... Yeah, we do. I know. I'm sorry. I feel like especially as an American, we have this like American guilt. We're just like, you're right. We're the worst. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, We're used to people being kind of mad at us. Yeah, it's true. (laughs) It's part of our life. But yeah, the article also gives some ideas for ways that you can prepare yourself before you leave your host country to move to a new place. And one, which is pretty obvious, is... Do everything you can to address issues that you know you have before going. Yes. You know, if your marriage isn't going super well, maybe postpone your move date by six months. Or if you have anger issues or whatever, like make sure that you are doing something about that. Even if you're not going to move, do something about that. Truth. (laughs) General advice. Dear listeners. Fix your problems. Yeah. <laughs> Don't just let them simmer. Mind-blowing advice I that know. you heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> but also, you want to make sure that you kind of figure out what your issues are. You might have stuff going on that you don't even realize is a problem because in your home country, it might be a lot easier to hide mm-hmm. some of your issues from other people and from yourself. So, you know, be honest. Do a check-in. Maybe talk with a counselor or someone. Ask your friends, like, (laughs) do I suck or what? (laughs) Help me. How do I suck? Yeah, how do I suck? (laughs) True. You definitely (laughs) suck, I promise. (laughs) Yeah, in general, life in a different country, well, I will say this is not universal. 
I would imagine. But like in our context, we have a lot of expat friends, but our team itself is really close Mm. and you end up spending a lot of time with each other, partially because we are most of the people who spend more than two years here. Mm -hmm. So we're like the most constant people in each other's lives. Yeah. So that just kind of means that you end up knowing each other really well, Mm -hmm. which is good and bad. (laughs) Like I was thinking the other day, I was laughing like how, it, I mean, it's fun to me, but like, it's just natural to be super close. I'm like, yeah, I mean, of course we would all apply for the same credit card. <laughs> like, that's totally legit, right? Yeah, because I like was an evangelist for this travel card. Yeah. You guys, Chase Sapphire Reserve, <laughs> do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we all have that credit card now where it's like, um, yeah, Big recommends this underwear company. So I should probably <laughs> order the same underwear. but your life is kind of not as compartmentalized here as it is in america Mm -hmm. like you don't have your work friends and then your hobby friends you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) from your embroidery club or whatever the heck people (laughs) do in america i don't know (laughs) and uh yeah here it's like well i just worked with these people for 40 hours and uh now we're gonna Go watch Netflix together. Mm-hmm. And um, we're going to have brunch on Saturday morning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then we record a podcast on Saturday yeah, evening. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. But even if you don't live somewhere where you spend that much time with your coworkers, if you move to like Asia or maybe Central or South America, the Pacific Islands, you're probably going to live in a context where it's just more communal. So you just see people more. And your neighbors are all up in your business all the time. Mm -hmm. That's totally normal. You know, there's not like the same privacy culture that we have in the U.S. So it's likely that whatever issues you have will eventually be seen by everyone. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe don't even try to hide them in the first place. Just work through it sooner rather than getting called out on it. That is true. I feel like that was something I learned from living with a host family here. Mm -hmm. They would ask me stuff. And for some reason, which is funny because I think of myself as a pretty open person, but I would get all like embarrassed and not want to say like even basic stuff. Like, um, like they would just ask me like, Oh, how are you? You know, you seem tired. I'm like, no, I'm fine. I'm not tired. (laughs) Okay. Or like, I mean, this is a cultural thing, but they're like, uh, how was your poop yesterday? Like we ate really spicy food. And I was just like, are you okay? I'm like, I'm fine. What do you mean? No, it was a crazy poop. (laughs) Now I'm more used to it. Feels like just normal to share kind of you know, how you actually feel about stuff, right? how your body is doing, all of that. And I think it's really healthy to be able to be open about that. Yeah, absolutely. And usually they return the favor. Mm-hmm. Favor. That was weird. <laughs> you want to try that again? <laughs> Not really. <laughs> usually they return the favor. Yeah. <laughs> So here's the last thing. This isn't about before you go, but this is after. I really like this. It's once you come through the cultural adjustment, help other people. Yeah. Don't be arrogant. I'm better than you because I've been here a long time and I know. Remember what it was like when it was hard and you were new and help other people. And then you might have more issues again, but then other people will help you. 
all that stuff feels kind of negative, actually. <laughs> Here's That's some tips. Hard. It's gonna suck. <laughs> no, you guys, moving overseas is amazing. And getting the chance to experience a new culture, whether it's your next door neighboring country or halfway around the world is totally worth it and great. And it might be really hard, but you're going to love it. I promise. So just prepare yourself well and you'll love it even more. Yeah. And as you learn more, then you can pass on the knowledge to people who are coming in and don't know everything yet. Yes, that is a great point. Yeah, if you have done all of these things and your life is just in the perfect place. Well, you're 10 steps ahead of both of us. Yes, so don't be arrogant. Give us some tips, please. (laughs) We need you. (laughs) All right, well, I hope you guys found that enlightening and interesting and inspiring and heartening. And let me get out my thesaurus. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think it's time. For our segment of the week. Segment of the week. You're so happy. This segment is actually inspired by an email that we received from a listener. So she had emailed because she was about to visit Katmandu and she was asking for book recommendations about, Mm. yeah, what book should she get? Oh, girl, I got you. And we were like, yes, all of them. (laughs) So I like immediately texted big and we compiled lots of our favorite book recommendations. This is not an exhaustive list. Let me tell you. And we haven't read every single good book, so we might have left something off. Just a disclaimer. Don't get mad at us. Tell us good books if it's not on the list. And we'll read them. Um, Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Okay, can I start? Because I'm so excited about yes. this book. Yes, okay. So, White hasn't read this one, but this is one of my favorite books about Nepal. It's called Massacre in the Palace, and it's a book about the royal massacre, <laughs> which I'm super interested in. It happened in recent history, which is what makes it crazy, I think. It happened in 2001, and if you guys don't know about this, the crown prince killed, like, the whole royal family. Ray. Right, yeah. So there's a lot of conspiracy theories about what actually happened, and there were some weird circumstances around it with, like, purity laws and allowing doctors to test the bodies and all these different things. So the book is really interesting. The first half is a pretty good short summary of the history of Nepal and Kathmandu. Mm. The second half is about the event of the massacre and all the information that they have about it, different theories, conspiracy theories, and how people reacted at the time. So highly recommend it. It's really well written and super interesting. Is it written by a Nepali person? Mm -hmm. Yes. Cool. I really want to read that one. Yeah, the next one is just called Kathmandu. It's by a guy named Thomas Bell. He's British, Mm -hmm. married to a Nawari person, Mm. I think. Anyway, this is kind of, this is a really popular history of, I think, just Kathmandu Valley. But it's pretty all-inclusive history. It's not super hard to read. It's long. But it is pretty long. I've seen that book. He had, the author has spent quite, a few years in Kathmandu. <laughs> that dog. <laughs> this dog is ruining our podcast single-pawedly. We see you. 
Dog. Stupid white dog. They're all white dogs. <laughs> okay. The next one also has a super simple name. It's just called Tamel. T-H-A-M-E-L. This is the part of the city, a neighborhood in Kathmandu that is very touristy. It's the place with all the prayer flags that go across the buildings that people say, like, oh, this is like all of Kathmandu. No, <laughs> that's just Tamil. But it's a very, very interesting part of town. Mm -hmm. It's quite old and it has a lot of history. Yeah, a bookstore owner recommended this book to me. So I'm recommending it to you guys. So mm -hmm. especially if you stay in Tamil. There. Moving on. Our next category. Culture. Culture. <laughs> <laughs> so this one is a deep dive, but especially if you are planning to move to Nepal, you will find this interesting. It's called Fatalism and Development. And it's written by a Nepali guy, I think in the 70s. And he just talks about um, Nepali culture and how he perceives it. He's an anthropologist. And how he thinks that affects the way that the country has developed over time. Yeah. And it's pretty critical, I think, of Nepal. So it's a bit controversial, but it's really interesting to hear one perspective, especially from a Nepali. Yeah. Yep. The next one is called The Living Goddess, and it's about Kumari, who you guys have probably seen pictures of her. Um, I won't go super into detail because that's the whole point of the book. But basically, <laughs> there are several Kumaris, which means she's a, a Nawari girl, one of the people groups in Kathmandu Valley. She's a Nawari girl who is like this goddess Kumari has chosen to live in. And so once the goddess chooses this girl, then her life completely changes. She lives in this um, palace and her feet are never allowed to touch the ground. And on several festivals around the year, then she tours around the city on like a, what do you call Chariot? that? Yeah, like people carry her mm -hmm. on her little. Oh, like a litter? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you might be able to get to see her. But it's just a really fascinating book. And it also just is a lot about Nepali culture in general and different festivals and stuff like that. So, yeah, the living goddess. Mm -hmm. The next category is stories. That's a nice change from like massacres and um, <laughs> goddesses and little girls. Yep. <laughs> Woo, let's lighten up this segment. Well, these books aren't going to lighten it up, but they're really good. Uh, these are two books that I read before moving here, and I really appreciated them because they are short stories. And they're just about life in Nepal and Kathmandu. But the cool thing about fiction is you can get a really interesting perspective into... Like, you're seeing the world through someone else's eyes, you know? So instead of getting an outside perspective on the culture, this is how the culture is. It's very abstract. But when you read a story about how someone felt when they went through an experience that's very common for Nepalis to go through, then you really get a deeper understanding of what it's like to live here in the culture. So the two books that I really appreciated, one is called Finding God in Kathmandu. And the other is called The Gurkha's Daughter. And they're both books of short stories. Hmm. So a little bit more bite-sized, maybe. Yeah, accessible for sure. That's super helpful. One that I read as soon as I moved here is called While the Gods Were Sleeping. 
And mm. it's written by a foreigner. I can't remember. Is she American? Yeah, maybe? she's American. It's a true story. Yeah, yeah. So it's an autobiography. And she ended up getting married. This is maybe in the 80s. Mm-hmm. So she ended up getting married to a high caste Brahmin guy who is from the really low elevation area of the country called the Tarai. She moves in with his family and she has a baby that, you know, the family is raising and stuff. And, mm-hmm. and she is an anthropologist. So yeah. she's writing about this personal experience that she had, but also through the eyes of someone who studies culture. Yeah. So it's a really good blend of personal, but also kind of objective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's super interesting. Yeah, and the last one that I'm really happy to be able to recommend is actually a poetry anthology. So it's called These Fine Lines. Mm. And when I first moved to Kathmandu, maybe within the first month, there was a spoken word event. And that kind of blew my mind because I didn't realize that the poetry scene was active in Kathmandu. Super active. Yeah. Yeah, it's a really big deal. And um, they were selling these books that they had just compiled, and it's written all by Nepalese. I can't remember if it's this book or another anthology, but I want to say that some of the poems are actually in Nepali, but most of them are in English. Oh, nice. So, and I think this book has a subject around women of mm, Nepal. Okay. So it's just really interesting and... Just kind of a different perspective on Nepal than maybe you would think about. Like, it's good to be able to get into the art scene. For sure. Yeah, that sounds super interesting. I really want to read that now. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Cool. Um, So, yeah, we will list these book recommendations somewhere else. Yeah, in the show notes. So if you look at the description of the episode, there'll be a list of all of these books, as well as a link to the article that we talked about in the main body of the episode. Great. So you have no reason to not read all these books. Yeah. All of them. All of them. (laughs) Even the ones we haven't read. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, We hope you guys enjoy uh, some of those books. Even if you don't live in Nepal or you're not planning to move here, I think they're just really interesting windows into another world that maybe you haven't experienced. Yeah. Okay. Well, is that everything? I think so. Yeah. Remember to follow us on all the social medias. Rate us on whatever podcast app you use. Whatever. We are so many episodes in and I still can't remember what (laughs) Apple users use to listen to podcasts. So it's okay. I won't judge you. (laughs) You and your weird Chinese phone. Phone? My phone. Like to use the fin. It's copyrighted. You can't even call this a phone anymore. <laughs> the fin. It's my fin. <laughs> We'd love your support on Patreon. Or if you don't like Patreon, just tell us how you want to give us money. Cold hard cash is always welcome <laughs> at Big and White. Um, yeah, we really appreciate the support we get because making a podcast is not free. Surprisingly, you yeah. would think internet free. No. It's not like this. No, no. Um, email us. Send us messages. Yep. Tell us how cool we are. Yep. Tell us what we should talk about. Yeah. Tell us how mad you are at us because we suck and we forgot your favorite book about Nepal. Yeah, like publicly shame us on Instagram. Definitely do that. Yeah. Tag us for sure. Yeah. <laughs>
All right. Well, on that happy note, I think I better hang up now. All right. Yeah. I'm going to go. Cool. Okay. 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 Well, okay. Okay. Yep. All right. See you next week. Yep. Okay. 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 Bye. Bye. Bye.